What's up, everybody? And welcome back to the Verzi Effect podcast show. My name is Paul Verzi. Uh, today is Wednesday, September the 21st, and in the background you hear the music from the opening scene of the movie Drive, which was unbelievable. Um, it was one of those movies where uh, you just feel like, man, not only did I get my money's worth, I feel like I robbed these people. It was that good for me. Um, I talked to some younger people who saw it. Some people said it was okay. Some people didn't like it. Some people thought it was too slow. Everybody who... I think was age appropriate, and when I mean age appropriate, I mean like, you know, 25 and up, you know, maybe a little younger than that, but I feel like an 18 or 19 year old wouldn't really be able to to read some of the things that happen in the movie, and I don't mean to sound, uh, you know, rude or disrespectful, it's just, you know, when you watch, I've watched a lot of movies, and uh, seen all types of camera shoots and camera angles, and you know, just different cinematography and how things were happened and, and, and music and how scenes get built up and what happens in a scene and how you feel after the scene. And uh, that movie was unbelievable. I'm going to get into that later. Um, but that was the... I'm actually after going to play some other music from the uh, from the movie. Just little clips uh, because it was a really different type of soundtrack of the movie. Um, anyway, you're listening to episode number 33. Um, and, uh, we got a lot of stuff to talk about. I want to talk about, uh, just getting back into the country. A few days ago, I was in, uh, Montreal, Canada. Uh, and I know that doesn't seem like it's far because it's like, you know, f six hours away from where I live. But, you know, just with everybody speaking French and you almost feel like you're in, you know, you really do feel like you're in Europe. It was so different there. It was the second time there. This time I was in the city a lot more and I definitely felt uh, definitely felt like an outsider so I want to talk about that I want to, there's a ton of stuff I want to talk about with sports I want to talk about the Mayweather Ortiz fight I want to talk about Mariano Rivera's record I want to talk about uh, the Giants game I went to on Monday night football a couple things um, you know I also want to talk about like I said the movie Drive I also saw the movie Warrior so I'm going to review both of those uh, I got it unacceptable for the week, and uh, so we're going to get right into this here. Um, Montreal, Canada was awesome, um, but different. It was one of those cities where I felt like, um, I felt like, okay, this is cool, but there was a part of me that's like, I, you know, I can't talk on my phone because it's like $15 a minute or something ridiculous like that, so I, I eventually ended up buying a $5 calling card, but um, it was just weird. It was just really weird out there. Well, it started off. Um, it started off a little crazy because um, I went out there with uh, comedian Joe Matarese. Um He lives in Westchester, and uh, you know I do as well. So uh, we got this gig together, and we go out there. And uh, Joe was supposed to pick me up at eight o'clock. Eight o'clock on um, Thursday, and sure enough. Uh, you know, we decide, may, let's make it 9 o'clock. That's just how things go. You know, it's always like, yeah, I'll be there at 6 in the morning. And then all of a sudden, like, yeah, what do you think, 8? Maybe 6 is a little, you know, it's one of those things. But we said, you know, let's leave around 9-ish. And um, I can't find my passport. The night before, my wife says, oh, yeah, our passports are, you know, on the, uh, on the you know, dresser uh, underneath the jewelry box or whatever it is. And uh, sure enough, there were two. But one was her old one and one was her new one. I can't find my passport anywhere. So now I'm going, holy shit, I'm not going to be able to get in the country. I'm not even going to be able to go. They're going to have to get somebody local up there to work with Joe because it's probably not going to be me. Um, so I did have a copy of my uh, original birth certificate and obviously a valid uh, driver's license. So I wanted to find out if that works because I know uh, up until a few years ago that, that would be, you know, that would suffice, I guess. So, um, we go, uh, you know, back and forth on the phone, dude, what should I do? Should, should I even come? Uh, what's going on? He's like, oh, you know, find out. So then he gets on the phone with our manager, David Kimowitz. David Kimowitz is saying, man, I don't know. I think you need a passport or it's not even worth going. So, you know, don't, don't be foolish. Don't drive six hours and get screwed. 
So I'm like, you know, here's what I'm going to do. The only way to fucking really find out what the real deal is, is call the border. So I call the Canadian border and I said, listen, you know, I'm driving up from New York um, and I don't have my passport. I cannot find it. However, I have my birth certificate and my license. So the guy goes, if you're driving, okay, if you're driving, I guess boats and planes are different. But if you drive across the border, if you have... Um, a birth certificate, you know, with proof that you were born in the United States and a driver's license you could get in and out of Canada. That's what the guy tells me. So I call my manager back. I call Joe back, and they're like, all right, go, you know, we'll see what happens, but I guess go. So we get there. Matarese gets pulled over because he's listening to some comedian's podcasts talking to me, and he doesn't see troopers on the right side of the road pulled somebody over and he never gets over and I guess there's a law where if you pass troopers and they're like outside they kind of want you to make a conscious effort to like get over Joe didn't and even told the cop we were this fucking Joe Matarese gets so honest with people sometimes it like is a fault of his that he told the cop he goes oh yeah we're listening to this loud radio show sorry and the cop was like yeah that's not a good answer and then they start getting into it and he's like I'm fighting this I never knew and it was just like it got ridiculous so anyway so, uh, you know, that happens. It's a long drive. Right when we start getting close, we hit like rush hour. So it, it was just, it took a long time. So we finally get to the border. And when we pull up, I'm like, all right, you know, here's the thing. I, I brought my like social security card, like everything, anything that I could, you know, bring with me to not have a problem here. And uh, what happens is, I, you know, give the lady who already had this look on her face like, I don't fucking like you people. Um, I give her, you know, I say, I, yeah, I don't have a passport. I don't have this. I just have this. And she goes, well, what do you mean you don't have a passport? And I'm going, oh, fuck. I'm going, I'm not getting in. She goes, well, you know, you got to have a passport. And I said, I actually called up and uh, said that I'd be driving and I didn't. And they told me here that if I had this birth certificate and uh, my license and she's kind of just like shaking her head and she's looking and she's like well no not really you kind of need a you know have you learned about the laws uh, you know in the last three years and I'm like ma'am I'm just going by uh, the phone call I made this morning to this place you know that's what I can't stand when people are trying to do their jobs like too much and overdo it it's like I just told you so if there's a problem go find out who I talk to you know or just go find out who answers the phones and say did somebody fucking call up and say that they only have a birth certificate and a driver's license. Do that. You know, don't make me sit here and fucking go back and forth. Oh, do you know the law? You really should. I don't give a fuck what I should or should not have. I don't have it, and I called up specifically about that. You stupid bitch. Now go fucking ask somebody or stop trying to act like you're fucking Batman or something. Like, I hate these people that have these, like, low-level security. You know, first of all, it was like an older woman. Like, who the fuck is she protecting at the border? It's ridiculous. So, anyway... Um, she kind of gives this bullshit attitude and then says, all right, pull over here, go to immigration. So we pull over, we get out, we're talking to immigration. This is another long story. Um, you know, I can't really actually for like, for legal reasons and, uh, for, uh, you know, other reasons, if I want to have no problem getting into that country, I really can't even talk about this, but something did happen. Make a long story short, uh, there was an interrogation room involved, there was a lot of questioning, um, and uh, something happened, but we ended up uh, basically getting a warning and a slap on the wrist, and um, we understand now. And it was not our fault, but anyway, uh, after a big hassle and a, and a, I guess you could say a, a really stressful day getting there, um, we get in, um, we get there, and uh, we get our hotel, and we, we kind of settle in. We're both absolutely exhausted, but uh, the first uh, the first night was good. Uh, the comedy club is Comedy Works. Um, they actually call it like the Comedy Cellar of Canada or, or of Montreal. Uh, a few people don't know the Comedy Cellar. It's like one of the best comedy clubs in New York City. Uh, this place had that feel. It was just really, really cool. Uh, the owner, Jimbo, was great. So I want to say thanks to everybody who came out to the shows. Uh, it was a really good time. And, uh, you know, I will say this, though. The, the, the crowds in Canada, they're like way more reserved, you know, um, Matarese was funny because he just get like literally like like I said he gets so honest that he was just telling them like why are you guys like this? Um, I had some really good sets though. I, I killed on a lot of the shows. Um, they're just like you have to really win them over before you could get like okay like this guy's nuts. 
this guy's saying some really crazy shit. A lot of times you'll get ooh and ahs or they can't believe you said it. But when you get them, they, they kind of open up. But not like American crowds. Like American crowds want to laugh. They clap. They're into it. Um, you know, Canada, I didn't I didn't get that sense from, from um, you know, from all of the crowds. You definitely felt a difference. But I feel like that makes you stronger. And they do appreciate good jokes and, and punchlines and stuff. So, you know, I don't want to sit here and hate on the crowds. I thought the crowds were good. It's just definitely, again, just different. Um, but no, I had some great conversations with the fans. Uh, one fan in particular, which I wanted to, uh, to talk about, uh, I, I believe I told him I was going to talk about him, but I would talk about him even if I didn't tell him because this was one of the coolest things that you, you, you know, as a comedian that you can get. Um, there was a gentleman, uh, to the, I was standing on stage and if I look all the way right, he was in the last seat to the right. Um, so I would literally, like, if I'm looking just stage center, looking at everybody, I would turn my body completely all the way, 180 to the right, and uh, this guy, uh, or I'm sorry, not a 180, look at me, I don't even know the fucking terminology, a 360 would be all the way around, anyway, all the way to my right, <laughs> um, a gentleman by the name of Wilder, his name was Wilder, and... Uh, you know, this guy was sitting there by himself, and I stopped my show, like, you know, because he was laughing really hard at something I said, and I just looked at him, I said, dude, are you here alone? And he goes, yeah, you know, I'm just here supporting you guys, and uh, I guess he had knew me from being on Matt Arise and Bill Burr's podcast, and, um, you know, he, you know he, he was just like, yeah, I'm coming here to support you guys, and the guy, like, knew everything about comedy, and the guy knew everything about, you know, when Matt Arise got on stage, he listened to all of his uh, podcasts, and he even was telling people, oh, Joe, don't forget to tell people to put the code in so, you know, you can get a dollar, you know, if everybody subscribes for free to uh, to Stitcher, I believe, and, and the guy, you know, he knew who I was, and he was just so, so cool, and so, I guess, um, comedy literate, it was unbelievable, it was just like the coolest thing, and you could have a the guy knew everybody in comedy. He was, you know, he was he was just a great dude. And uh, Wilder, if you're listening to this man, uh, that that's really more appreciated than you would know. Um, to have somebody, especially somebody knowing me and, and you know, and and liking me and, and hearing about me in another country, um, was really cool uh, to to see and to have out there. It, it was I, I'm I was thrilled with it and. Uh, you know, the guy wasn't an idiot with comedy either. He knew he knew a lot about it, and he always sees comedy. So to have somebody like that, because those are the fans that, like, you really are like, you know, it's almost like somebody that goes to a million football or baseball games, and they could watch a quarterback, or they can watch a defensive player, or they could watch, a you know, a pitcher, and, uh, you know, just know this guy is going to be, you know, this guy is going to be good. Or, or not, and just, you know, having people say, oh, man, I like your stuff, and, I, you know, it was great, so thank you, Wilder, uh, we appreciate it. the guy was supportive, buying CDs from Joe, you know, asking if I had any merchandise to sell, saying, oh, I'm going to get your CD when it comes out, just awesome, and, uh, you know, that, that's what you look for, so, um, you know, just great fan. And, um, you know, everybody who came out there, and there was people that uh, got me on Facebook and Twitter and uh, everything, um, that were just, uh, hey, I'm going to check everything out. Real supportive and, and really smart crowds out there. So thank you. Comedy Works had a great time. Um, here's here's the, um, the thing that I noticed about uh, Montreal is somebody said, even though everything there is expensive, okay, and it's a really cool city, really cool, but um, everything like, like you can, if to get a lunch, like even a fast food lunch, you're spending probably close to 10 bucks. Like if you wanted, but like even like a good like like something quick like a gyro, it's like more, you know. If you get like a meal, it's like twenty five, thirty bucks. Like every time you eat there, it's a lot of money. Somebody said, but the trade off to that is the rent is really low, um, but and, and it has really good food and it's it's got great shops. It's it's a really cool city, one of the most sexual, deviant, like the most sexual deviants though. Like I guess they do it for tourists. But, like, I've never heard some shit like I heard when I was in Montreal as far as sexual. Like, one night, me and Joe are walking down the street, and I swear to God, this guy goes, Hey, guys, what's up, man? Yeah, have a good time, Montreal. Have a good night. Yeah, hand job, blow job, fuck, upstairs, fourth floor. All right, good night. And you're just, like, like walking, like, what? It was, it was, <laughs> it was ridiculous. You know, like, yeah, lesbian show upstairs. Go here, 25 bucks. These girls do everything. And it's just, like, you know, it's just, like, all kinds of shit. Um... 
And I know in many cities they have stuff like that. Of course, New York City has all that stuff. But in Montreal, it's just out there. You know, like it's just out there. Like they just talk about it like it's just like the, the sexual freedom or the way they... I don't know. It was just... Uh, it was fucking hilarious. But um, so we... Um, we had a good time, and we, we ate a lot of good food. We saw a couple of movies, which I'm going to get into now. Uh, I have to make it my point to talk about this movie on the podcast. This will probably be the longest review and uh, the most talked about a movie I've ever done on the Verzi Effect because when I find a good one, and I mean being blown away, uh, you know, as you guys know, I've said many times, comedians on the road, we go to the movies. You know, we, we have a lot of downtime, and uh, you can only sit in a hotel for so long. You can only sit at a cafe and eat for so long. Um, so unless there's a really big sporting event on, we go to the movies. So uh, Joe's the same way, so we're like, all right, we got to see. We, we had a list of movies that we wanted to see. It was Drive, Warrior. Um, I wanted to see, there was another one I wanted to see. I would actually saw Straw Dogs. He didn't want to see it, um, but Drive was up there, so... Um, we go and we see Drive on Friday afternoon. We walk down. They got this big, big, huge, like, 22-movie uh, theater. Really nice, too. Co most comfortable seats I ever sat in my life. And we go and see Drive. It's with uh, Ryan Gosling. Uh, Brian Cranston's in it. Albert, Albert Brooks is in it. Uh... The guy with the big jaw and the big mouth from um, Hellboy, he's in it. And uh, the girl, the lead in the in the in the movie, who the girl was, I don't know who she was, but um, anyway, the movie. The only thing that I could say about the movie that I don't know is the greatest thing was the the, the title, because I don't know if the title needed to be called Drive. I think a lot of people hear that and they think it's about this big action getaway chase, and it's really not. Um, Ryan Gosling plays one of the oddest, um, nicest, darkest guys ever that I've ever seen in any any picture that I ever went to in my life. Any. This guy plays this guy where, first of all, there's this real, like, dark side to him. And the, and, and the one thing that I, that I noticed about the movie is his side was so dark Um and, and what I loved is they didn't show why. So, like, this guy's got this, like, you know, and I, I can't really give anything away here because I want you to see it. But anyway, I'll get into it. Ryan Gosling plays a, um, a mechanic during the day. And for part-time, he is a stunt driver for the, for the movies, for, for the Hollywood movies, because he's just that good in a car. And uh, he can make a car flip and, you know, knows how to do all that stuff. He can, you know, he could go, like, really fast, like, in reverse you know, just one of these guys. So, but he also, uh, you know, does some kind of getaway driving to make even, you know, other money. Like, you know, maybe it's like the rush that he needs, you know, um, because he can he can do it. So people want to hire him to like be a getaway, be a getaway uh, driver. Um, opening scene of this movie, uh, actually, the music that you heard at the beginning of this this show was um, was what you hear, and uh, it does a cold open where it's him. And he gets in a car and he does something with these two guys. And it was unbelievably intense. It was... And then the beautiful thing about it was there was barely any dialogue. It was one of those things where just shit's going down. And the nicest thing, you didn't have to see a million things exploding. You didn't have to see things blowing up and helicopters shooting out missiles and blowing up bridges. Nothing like that. This was just an intense... Although there is actually a helicopter in the scene. But this is really intense. Um... I would almost say quiet, intense, edge of your seat, and then boom, the movie just starts, the credits come up, and uh, and I was just in. I remember leaning over, I remember leaning over to a Joe uh, after the, the credits started, and I literally said I could leave now. Like, I could, after that cold open, the opening 10 minutes of the movie, I could leave. I mean, I was joking, but that's how good it was. Joe was like, I could clap right now. Um, and then you just see this character who... Seems like he's a nice, protective, good guy. And then you just see this dark side. This side of like, I will fucking kill you. If you, you know. And, and the, the cool thing about it was you never knew why. So all you knew when you watched this movie and certain things that he said and did, you could go, wow. 
if that makes this guy happy or if he's like that, how bad, like where did this guy come from? You know, where did he grow up? What were his parents like? Because it was some really, and it was great acting by him without a lot of dialogue. Um, and it did something that, that Hollywood normally doesn't do, and I really don't want to give this away, but the ending doesn't turn out the way that you think it would um, at all. Um, but it's still good, and uh, it kind of throws you for loops. Like, you think it's going to be one way, and it's not. Um, I will say this. Uh, if you don't like violence or blood, I wouldn't... Uh, I mean, there's like two or three scenes in this movie that are like, holy shit. Like, I looked over, Matt Arise had to turn his head. Sorry, Joe. Fucking grown man. But, uh, no, turned his head. It, it, there were some, like, really, really violent, um, you know, I guess you could say killings in this. Um, great music here. I'm going to give you guys right now some of the music because it had like this 80s. Here's what I said. It had like a, um, it had like a true romance feel. Uh, it also had some feels of when, uh, Joe made this point, which was good. I said it felt like true romance a little. He said there was a feel where like in Risky Business when he was like cleaning up his, you know, cleaning up at the end and trying to get things done with the with the music. You kind of have that like 80s feel. It also, it just had this weird feel. But here's some of the music from, um, here's some of the music from it. I'm going to play a couple of clips. This is, uh, this is the beginning of it, like we already heard. Um... Hold on here. Let me get this. This is the beginning. So this is just kind of like some shit going down while he's driving. Okay. Then this is another one, which is really cool. This is a weird... I'm going to show you the differences of the music. It's got like an 80s feeling. Alright, this is another one. Something tells me this is when he was driving, I think. Just like driving normally turns something. And this, here's another one with the 80s feel. Oh, that's got 80s written all over it, doesn't it? some really nutty scene where this was playing. That was one of the bizarre, like that was a bizarre scene. But anyway, um, so I mean, I love the soundtrack. I'm buying the soundtrack. I just think that it was just ridiculous, man. Um, Mixed in with Gosling's acting, who can do nothing on stage but just move his eyes and look around, and you are just so gripped and in. Um, like I said, I haven't seen something like this in a long, long time. Um, like I said, too, if you don't like violence, uh, if you don't like things that just take off right away, and, and, you know, if you don't like things that don't have blowing up, you know, you know, bridges and and just, you know, bombs going off and stuff like that. If you if you basically if you're smart enough to sit down and be able to take a story, uh, I think you can't go wrong. I think you can't go wrong. I think you're gonna have something that you haven't seen in a long time. Um you know, and it, it was just it was just it even had some scary parts. It had uh, some really like, you know, intense um even had like a even a couple of scenes had like a Scarface feel to it. Um, something that I, I just think the coming attraction and the name gives it away. But see the movie Drive if you want a different experience. Um, I even saw some uh, some Alfred Hitchcock in a couple of scenes that I don't want to talk about. I, you know, there's just unbelievable camera sequences. And the really the the, the cool thing and, and and one of the reasons why maybe they did call it Drive was 
with with everything that like was you know inside this kid and how dark he was it did seem like every time he was in his car the the camera would show him in the car and it would be like more quiet um almost like his place of peace his place of um you know just just that that calming you know place that that like he gets from from that and uh you know you know they, there's even a line that says there's nothing he can't do in a car so um, he rides, a, he has an older car, I don't know what model his car is, but his personal car is his older gray car, but it's like nice and redone, and it's just when you, when you see him in, like, from his perspective, like, the camera's inside the car and he's holding the wheel, it's just a quiet, um, it's just a quiet, like, nice feeling, like, you almost feel like you want to, the, the, the shooting was so good, you almost feel like you want to just go for a cruise alone in your car and just drive around, you know, um, so see the movie Drive, I mean, listen, if that doesn't sell you, I don't know what will sell you, but uh, I think it was great. It got unbelievable reviews, too. And uh, somebody said that Albert Brooks might even be nominated for an award with it. Uh, Albert Brooks was, uh, you guys know him, he's an old comedian. He's uh, He was in, um, he was the voice of Nemo in Finding Nemo. Um, but he has a crazy part in this. He kind of plays like the, like the, I don't know, the cash cow of this uh you know, anyway, just, just see the movie, great acting, great story, different, takes you in all kinds of different directions, and, uh, you'll get something that I don't think you get all the time, so that was Drive, um, and then the next day, we saw Warrior, which some people are saying is the best fight movie, and, you know, Warrior is about the two brothers who fight for UFC versus each other, um, and we were like, man, no, nothing's gonna live up to Drive, and it was really good, but it wasn't great, the thing about Warrior is there's a lot of, Unlike Drive, where they didn't explain certain things which were cool and left it up to your imagination, I feel like in Warrior, they kind of had to rush things to get to, like, the fighting sometimes or to get to, like, the main point. So they left, like, things out of the of the box, of the, uh, of the fighters' pasts, which I think would have been more helpful. But definitely some scenes that were motivating. Definitely some scenes that, uh... I guess some scenes in the movie made me want to even get closer to my father regardless of anything that you ever went through with a parent, no matter how bad. It, it kind of puts into perspective, like, even though some things could be wrong or fucked up, man, it's like family is family no matter what. There's a little bit of that in the movie. Uh, Nick Nolte um, plays the father of these two guys, and apparently he was really bad when they were younger because they don't really have... Um, you know, and I'm not saying that was with my father, I'm just saying anybody, you know, apparently this guy drank and beat the shit out of them and beat the shit out of the mother, I didn't have to go through anything like that, I'm just saying it's one of those things where if you get into an argument with any of your parents, it's, it's kind of like you, you see that and you're like, man, you know, you can make amends at any time, um, a little unrealistic with some of the things that happened in Warrior, I don't think would definitely happen, like it just seemed... You know, there were definitely some parts that were forced. It was great. It was uplifting. All that stuff that a fight movie, you know, gives you, but definitely unrealistic. Um, but I'll tell you, there's a couple of scenes where they're in, in the fighting where this one guy, you know, the, one of the main characters gets in the ring and just beats the fucking shit out of people. Like, it wasn't one of these things, like, there's a lot of scenes in Warrior which I really liked where you're not going to get the dramatic start losing and then come back in the end and win. There's some of that, but there's some just from the minute the bell rings, just beat the shit unmercifully out of somebody, and then it's, um, you know, and then it's just over. You know, the fight's over, and you're like, oh my god, that was realistic. You know, like, it, it wasn't Hollywood where, like, can he make it? Can he get up? He's just, it was just like, and like I said, of course, it's a fighting movie. There's some of that, but there were definitely some were like, you know, ding, ding, boo, boo. He's beating, just like knocks a guy out cold in like three seconds, like sometimes happens in the UFC, which I liked. Um, so I would say if you want to see a good fighting movie, go see Warrior. I don't think you'll be disappointed. I don't think you want your money back. I think you will even say, and some people out there will say it was awesome. But if you really kind of break down the story, you're like, all right, that could definitely be a little better and it was a little far-fetched. Um, so Drive and Warrior, I give, um, 1 to 10, I give Drive, I give Drive a 9.8, okay, maybe even a 10, I, I, I might even have to say 10, but, um, you know, I'll give it just for, for anybody out there who's like, oh, it can't be a, I'll give you a 9.8 for Drive, 
Warrior 1 to 10, I'll give it a 7.5. Okay, so uh, both both are, are definitely worth it. All right. Um, I got to say, Rotten Tomatoes is pretty accurate. I, I can't lie. Rotten Tomatoes is, is definitely one of the ones that I will look at. But uh, I think the uh, Paul Verzi uh, meter is better. So uh, definitely go check it out. Somebody, Dave Kimwood's called my listeners Verzi Effectors. So for you Verzi Effectors out there, uh, take my word. Driving Warrior. Put a stamp on it. If you don't like me, let me know. I'm not going to pay your money back, that's for sure. Um, but, you know. I even said if you don't like Drive, like 100% hated Drive, I don't, I, don't know why, I don't know what would please you in a movie. You know. Unless you're just one of those who just needs shit blowing up immediately. You know those people that are like, you could watch a movie and it's so bad, but all it is is just like, you know, just fucking from the instant, there's just like car chases, people blowing up, you don't even know why. There's like fucking fireworks in the background, like just shit that doesn't have to happen, and people are like, it was awesome. Like, I don't care about shit like that. I don't need anything to blow up in a movie. If the script is good and the acting is good and the story comes together, I'm in. Uh, so, that is the movie segment, that is probably the longest movie segment I've ever done, we're over 30 minutes already, and uh, we've only talked about Montreal and, uh, movies, so check it out, and, um, then when I was in Montreal, uh, the second show, Saturday, started at 11 o'clock, I wanted to make it my business to talk about this. I wanted to see this uh, Mayweather-Ortiz fight really, really badly, okay? I just had a feeling, and I'm not just making this up, folks. I had a feeling something, I said, you know, I think Mayweather's going to win, but I just got this feeling that this kid could win. I don't know why I had that feeling, but I just had a feeling like this kid Ortiz, if, like, you know, he's for real and serious, I feel like something could happen with him. And, um, I'm... I'm saying to myself, shit, I got an 8.30 show Saturday, and then I got an 11 o'clock show Saturday. Main events don't usually start until, like, I guess there were three undercards. I guess the main event starts at, like, uh, like 11.30. So I get on stage at, like, 10 after 11. I do my 20-something minutes. It's probably, like, 11.35. And the cool thing, um, you know, where in, in Montreal where we were performing was there's, like, huge sports bars down there. And they um, play the pay-per-view fights for free. So you just walk in. And as long as you order a drink or something to eat, and get a, you know, you could get a seat and watch the fight. So I'm psyched. You know, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm watching. I, I, I get off stage. You know, I had a good set. And, the, you know, the owner was there. And uh, everything was, you know, great with that. And it was my last show of the weekend. We did five of them, you know, in three days. So I, uh, you know, I'm excited. Uh, put a lot of work in different country things went well and then I run literally through this alleyway down the street make a left and this thing this place called casual sports which was packed with hundreds and hundreds of people to see this fight I get there as I walk in and I kept running in and out uh, in between shows just to see where they were in fights and then uh, finally uh, I get off stage I run in there and I see Mayweather making his way to the ring and I'm like this was perfect perfect I'm gonna order a beer I'm going to order some hot wings. I even had a spot, like one spot in the bar where I could stand up. I was standing next to, uh, there was no seat, but I'm standing there. There was uh, this cool dude to the right of me and this woman and guy to the left of me. And everybody just had their eyes on all these flat screens and were watching the fight. Now, here's my problem with the fight, folks. I thought about this for a while, okay? Mayweather definitely had control of the fight. Uh, definitely it was, uh, gonna be, was it, it was, it stopped in the fourth, I thought they said it was two rounds to one, he wasn't dominating the kid, but he just started to establish control, but the kid looked strong, and the kid looked like he can walk through some of the punches, and then there was even a time where he would go on some flurries, and like, wow, if he hits him, you never know what can happen, uh, then what happened is what everybody saw, which is just fucking... I just can't even, I don't even understand it. The kid hits him. Here's why I do have some, I do have some, uh, I do have some issues with this thing and thinking that it might have been fixed. And I know people are saying, you're crazy, how could it be fixed? It's fast motion, why would he head butt? Here's why. I just read something about it, because I'm a lunatic, because once I get something in my head, I, uh, 
you know, I'm actually arguing, I'm arguing this fight here with some people because a lot of people think I'm nuts for thinking, uh, you know, <laughs> I just, somebody just said, Paul, I just read the article you sent me and you owe me five minutes of my life back. Uh, anyway, so he, he starts hitting Mayweather, right? And he starts to flurry him. And when he hits him, Mayweather's like acting like, no, it doesn't phase me, it doesn't phase me. But like he definitely had Mayweather on the ropes and hit him and started doing good. One of his shots actually hit Mayweather in the head, if you watch it again. Then he does this lunge headbutt into the chin of the guy, which stops the fight. Then he feels bad, he starts hugging, he starts kissing him. And, uh, you know, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And then he walks back. Now here's the problem that I have. First of all, the referee, somebody wrote down, the referee should never take his eyes off the fighter, ever, ever. You never take your eyes, and he's looking at somebody, he's looking at somebody. I don't know if it was for the timer, whatever. So then uh, what apparently happened was the guy said, okay, you could fight. Mayweather and Ortiz are looking at each other. Ortiz backs up and is looking at the ref to wait for, like, let's go. And Mayweather hits him in the face once, and then he doesn't protect himself, and he's still looking to the left, and then Mayweather knocks him down, knocks him out, and it's over. Now, here's my problem with the fight, and here's why I think, hey, listen, Mayweather doesn't want to fight Manny Pacquiao. He's made that very clear. He doesn't want to fight him because he knows that that'll be his loss probably. And to be honest with you, I didn't think so at first, but you know, but now watching it, I think Manny Pacquiao is, is ridiculous. So, you know, I think... What maybe this is so far out of reality, and I'm a nut job. And if you think so, fine, because maybe there's a part of me that hey, Paul, maybe you're stretching here. But who's to say, look, this kid, you know, boxing is a short career. Okay, they already said that it, you know, this kid has already made a point that it wasn't in his heart to fight anymore at one point, but oh, now I'm back and I definitely want to. Okay, and by the way, he looked pretty damn happy at the end of it. He looked like he was okay, he looked like you know, he was smiling, he looked a little too much like, yeah, this is. You know, so anyways, he he uh, he headbutts him in the chin. Now, who's to say he said, listen, man, we'll give you an extra $5 million. I'm just saying, okay, I'll give you an extra $5 million. At some point during the fight, during the fourth round, I'll go on the ropes. Just headbutt me, but don't get me in the head. Just get me, even if it's hard, just get me by the chin, something like that, so they have to stop the fight. When they stop the fight and back up, you look to the left, keep looking, act like you don't know it's time to fight. And I'll hit you, and I'll guarantee you a rematch. So now everybody wins. Pacquiao get, doesn't fight Mayweather. Okay, Mayweather gets to fight this kid again, and they both make a, t a shitload of money. And uh, I don't know. Can that happen? Maybe, yeah. I think so. Now, I don't think that that's so far out of reality. I mean, think about it. If there was ever a time to fix a fight, wouldn't it be when a guy is looking the other way and, and not even protecting himself at all and, and, and just making it look like... I know some people say no because he could hurt him, but I, I think these, these guys are trained to do this shit. Like this guy can, this guy can like take a jab, which he knew was going to be hard, and then the other one come in and just get hit on the chin and go down. I don't think it necessarily needs to be something where he comes across the temple. Maybe they are that good where they can calculate it. They're professional fighters, you know. And it's like, listen, we don't want somebody to get too hurt, so this is going to go down in the fourth round, so we don't beat the shit out of each other. You know, we'll get some longevity. You know what I mean? I don't know. I don't know, but something tells me something is just not right. And I'm always... And here's the thing why I think, okay, why I think that 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 there's something here is because I never buy into the fixed thing, ever. I never buy into it. I I actually feel like, no, 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 man. These guys, have, you know, the, the, the HBO 24-7 and the whole documentary thing that they do, and no, they're going to... They're gonna, these guys want it. These guys got heart. You know, that's how we want to think. We want to think that this shit is not wrestling, okay? But at the end of the day, it's their bodies, it's their lives. They're going to have to live with the brain damage. And there was something inside of me that said, this isn't right. And I'm going on that. Now, and, and again, I could be wrong, but this is the first time that I watched a fight where I'm like, no, you know what? And another thing, Ortiz in his whole career has never headbutted anybody. He's never headbutted. He doesn't headbutt. So now what? He's going to lose his cool out of frustration and lose a whole point after getting the guy on the ropes and starting to hit him? That doesn't make sense to me. It doesn't make sense. It's like you just got the guy on the ropes. You just hit him in the head twice. He's covering up, and you've already shown and established in the fight that even if you're losing and you're going to get hit, you're going to keep going and you can walk through those punches. So for me, I'm thinking to myself, 
Well, wait a minute. He headbutted him kind of hard on the chin, and the fight had to stop. That can be planned. And then, okay, when there's a timeout and it's time to go, you keep looking away. I'm going to knock you down, but I'll guarantee you a rematch. I'll guarantee you millions of dollars. Okay, and now I don't have to fight Pacquiao. You get another shot at me, which is going to be a ton more exposure and a ton more money, and everybody wins. I don't understand why that's so crazy. I just, I really don't understand it. He didn't hit him in the head. He didn't do anything. He just, he just drilled him in the chin and knocked him out, which is, hey, they go to sparring. They, they can take that. Um, so that's, that's, that's one theory that I have, and, uh, you know, I mentioned that to some people. They're like, no, no, they would never do it that way. There's easier ways to, to, to fix a fight. There's easier ways. Well, not if you don't want to get hurt, there's not. Not if you have to go all the way to the cards, the scorecards. Um, so so that was my that was my big thing with the, with the Mayweather-Ortiz fight. Um, maybe this is completely out of left field and I'm wrong, and it was just because deep down inside I wanted to see a good fight, and I ran off stage to do it. But I doubt it because something was just something just doesn't smell right. So I don't know, guys. If you think I'm nuts, I'm sorry. It was just a theory that I had. If you agree with me, let me know. After you hear this podcast, if you want to look back at it, you can just type in Mayweather Ortiz fight fixed. See if you saw something that didn't smell right. Uh, I for sure did. And um, and now that I'm reading these things, it makes sense to me. It makes sense to me. Um, I know. Do you know that in the fan, Mike Francesa on the fan in New York, they don't even talk boxing because every time it comes up, I've heard, uh, I've I've listened to them and I've heard callers call in and say, how come you guys never talk boxing? Like, listen, it is the most filthy, disgusting, fake. It is one step above. It's wrestling, and and if that's true, then I can't take it seriously either. Um, you know, so whatever. Uh, all right, that's that. Congratulations to Mariano Rivera. New York Yankees getting 602. 602 career saves. Unbelievable. Um, you know, the guy is a robot. I swear to God. Go on the Yankee Stadium every time you see I remember one time I was sitting down and I actually felt bad. I forgot what I was doing, but I didn't stand up and give an ovation one time. One time. I always stand up and give an ovation. And one time I was there, and for some reason, I don't know if I stood up or if I was doing something, I just felt bad because I'm like, this guy needs you to stand up every time he walks out. I'm going to go out here on a limb and tell you this right now, folks. Mariano Rivera is the most valuable Yankee player maybe ever. Okay? Way more valuable than Derek Jeter. Way more valuable than Alex Rodriguez. This guy is responsible for, out of the five, out of the five championships we've gotten, He's responsible for at least three of them. He's unbelievable to have that guarantee, 90-something percent chance of, of closing it out when he comes in. No other baseball team has it. He doesn't look like he's aging. His cutter just fools everybody still. He's unbelievable. Um, he's, like a, he's like a human pitching machine who could just get it where he needs to get it. Um, and I love how like when he is human and he has like two or three bad games, people say he's done. Uh, best ever of all time. And now the people, oh, no, Trevor Hoffman had more saves, so fuck you. He's got more than him now, so now there's nothing you could say. I th- I personally think, I know this is crazy, I think he's the greatest pitcher that I've ever seen ever. I don't care if it's only one inning. He's the greatest pitcher I've ever witnessed in my life. Um, talk a little football here, and then, wow, I'm over 40 minutes, and we only got to a couple of, uh, to a couple of things here. Uh, Cam Newton. I said it, people. I said a day after the draft he's going to be good. I talked to people that I have friends with that work in the NFL that told me, no, he's not. I don't think so. I don't think this. I don't think that. Okay? I said it. I said this guy's going to be great, and he's he's already, I think he's like one game away, or like he's like over 400 yards. He's having the greatest start in history of a rookie ever. Uh, he looks awesome, and he's doing it without a good team. And, and uh, if you give this guy weapons, he's going to be scary. Um... Here's something I want to say about the Philadelphia Eagles. The Eagles, I've noticed something. I've noticed the the weakness that they have. And it's nothing other than I actually think that their their durability and their size is an issue. I think I think Macklin and Deshaun Jackson, although they're very fast, I think that uh, they're going to get hit really hard and they're going to slow down. And I don't know if they're going to be able to hold it together. Um and Vic needs a lot more protection than he got. Uh, he's already hurt again. He's never played, you know, a full season. I think he's great. I'll be honest, man. I'm a Giants fan, but let's be honest. The the Philadelphia Eagles are by far the most exciting NFL team. Maybe the most exciting team I've ever seen. Like, this team is ridiculous. 
They they everyone runs like it's a video game. They they he passes, he flicks his wrist, and the ball goes 200 yards. It's unbelievable. I mean, I, I just don't know if their size. I just don't know if their size and their bodies can hold out against these monsters that they're going to be going up against. Um, that's all I'll say. Um, and I was at Monday Night Football, my first Monday Night Football game. I've been to a lot of football games. I've even been to some Sunday night games. I was actually at that uh, Giants-Patriots Sunday night game when the Patriots won 16-0 and and we lost 38-35, which is an unbelievable football game. It was one of the only football games where everybody stood almost except for like three plays. The whole place was standing. It was It was unbelievably loud and great. Um, went to this game against the Rams. Uh, sloppy. Giants didn't look great. Um, Bradford passed all over us. He threw for over 300. Our defensive backs did not look good. But we pulled it out. Our running game was good. Eli finally developed a um, finally developed a rhythm. I just can't stand. Some, some New York fans are so stupid. You know, get rid of Coughlin, get rid of Eli. It's like, I, I just don't, like, for what? For a new coach who may have to fucking adjust and be another, I just don't get it, you know, keep the same fucking coach, and bring players that buy into it, and Eli Manning, for me, he gets a pass till 2017, I said, after his 2007 year, I said he's got a 10-year pass, so I'm, uh, he's got six years in my mind, I don't give a shit, the guy had the greatest comeback, or the greatest Super Bowl win ever, great playoff run, and if you look, he had a better playoff run than his brother, his brother actually threw more interceptions and touchdowns a year, they won that unmemorable Super Bowl against the Bears, Eli did it all on the road, Tampa, Dallas, Green Bay, okay, and then against the undefeated Patriots. So Eli will be all right. Plus, nobody's talking about how this lockout affected people. The lockout affected people. You can see it. More guys are going back with cramps. You know, throws are just not there from other teams. Teams are either running up scores because the other teams aren't ready. I'm telling you, this is like week three of the preseason. It's going to still take a couple more weeks to get these guys really ready, I think. And I think you're seeing that. So I'm not going to make any real definitive, you know, judgments until week five or six. But the Eagles, man, they, they got to protect. They got to protect their guys. They just, they're just, I don't know. There's just, I think it's going to be a health issue with them. Um, but the Giants won the game, and it was great. I went there. Thanks to, my mother-in-law is so cool, man. She gets tickets from her law firm. She always thinks about me. Uh, went with Stacy's uncle and uh, somebody uh, that Stacy's mom works with, this guy, uh, Andrew, I think. Really cool people. It was a great time. It was awesome, um, you know, tailgating, drinking some stuff, eating some stuff, and then just uh, sitting on the 50-yard line was, was awesome. So uh, that was great. Uh, you know, unacceptable for the week is Floyd Money Mayweather not fighting Manny Pacquiao. It's the fight we deserve. It's the fight the world deserves. It will be one of the biggest fights in history. I want to see it. Everybody wants to see it. Undefeated. Both of these guys are still still young enough to say it's not past their you know their time. So make it happen now. Do it. Forget the stupid bullshit you know against this kid Ortiz and fight Manny Pacquiao. It's unacceptable that everyone's gonna say yeah we always wanted that to happen but it never did. That's unacceptable for sports fans. It's unacceptable for the sport of boxing. You know, and quite frankly, it's unacceptable for Floyd Mayweather and Manny Pacquiao. That fight has to happen. Do any kind of drug testing you have to have. And I don't just blame Mayweather for this. You know, if Pacquiao's not on steroids or not on something, take the fucking drug test or the piss test every week until the fight. Do whatever you have to do to prove it. And and Mayweather, if he does that, you fight him. Unacceptable. Uh, all right, folks, now it's time for plugs. Uh, we're almost 50 minutes in here. Um... This week I'm actually going to just be running around the city trying to work out some stuff. I'm writing a new, I'm writing a new project right now uh, for for something that's going to be pretty special that uh, I can't really talk about. But uh, just uh, buckle up for that. That should be really really good. I'm, I'm very very um, happy about uh, the progress with my new project. So I'm writing that. Um, next week I will be performing stand up in New York City at um, what is it? Angels and Kings? Is that what it's called? Uh, it's on the website, uh, September 27th, I think it's Angels and Kings in New York City, it's a special night that they do it, I believe it's on a Tuesday night next week in Manhattan, I'll be there, that's at 8 o'clock, then at, uh, 8 o'clock on the next night, September 28th, I will be at the Monsters Show, 
It's the monster show at the Creek and the Cave in Long Island City, Queens. This is one of these uh, trendy rooms that has a great reputation. Uh, a lot of comics are doing it. It's like one of these best like type of underground rooms, and um, you know industry goes there, so it should be good. So uh, I'll be there. I'll be there September 28th. And uh, that's at 8 o'clock. That is also, uh, well, that's that's New York City, but that's in Long Island City, Queens. Um, October 6th through 8th, I will be at the Addison, Texas Improv opening for my good friend Bill Burr, who thinks I'm nuts with my uh, Floyd Mayweather fix thing, but I'm sticking to it. Um, that'll be the first time I'm in the Dallas area, so that should be awesome. Um, so check that out. Check out the website. There's going to be some updates to the website. I really hope you enjoyed episode 33. See the movie Drive. It was awesome. Um, download the rest of the Verzi Effect podcast shows. Uh, thank you, Montreal, Canada. Thank you to my uh, Verzi Effector listeners. I, I truly appreciate all the downloads. And listen, keep downloading, okay? Um, I may have a sponsor soon. I may, be, I may be, the show may be getting a sponsor soon. I think I will. Um, and, uh, you know, make some announcements. The show is also available on Podbean, and I am looking uh, to get it on Stitcher as well. So uh, there's a ton of different places you could check out the Verzi effect. This is, like I said, this is my 33rd episode, and I uh, couldn't be happier with the positive feedback and the amount of listeners. Uh, when you go to another country and they know about it, that, that makes you feel good. Um, and let's be honest, the show's fucking awesome. It's me either with a great comedian guest or me just talking shit about sports, movies, comedy, and whatever else. Uh, I'm a voice for you people, okay? Um, so that's it. Check it out. Hopefully I can get some sleep. My son was relentless today, and, uh, he just did... My day consisted of him running around, and we're potty training him, so he pissed all over the house... He's just like a drunk. He's just like a like a drunk person at the Puerto Rican Day Parade. He just runs around and he just, just I don't even know. And I just said that because every time I turn on the Puerto Rican Day Parade, there's people with water guns and people taking their clothes off and cops dancing with people. I don't fucking know. I'm tired. I want to get some sleep. Um, that's it, everybody. Have a good one until episode 34. <laughs>